Hi, welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel and I am your host. As you know, nobody wants a divorce. And while the process of divorce, the legal aspects, logistics, and the aftermath are painful and overwhelming, I refuse to allow this to define me. A friend of mine taught me about the concept of the North Star, how when sailors are lost in the dark and cannot find their way home, they look to the North Star to get back on course and can always find home, that my children would need to be my North Star, that in all decisions, I would need to look to them to guide me. A North Star divorce is when you make your children your main focus, when all decisions are based on the question, will this make them feel emotionally safe or will this cause further harm? It is about adults putting aside our baggage, emotions, anger, and old stories. Today, I have the privilege of talking with a great friend of mine, Susan. Hello, Susan. Welcome. Hi, Carly. I've missed you during this COVID period. I know. Thanks for having me. Thank you for... I know. We'll see. Let's see in 30 minutes. All right. So let's just jump right in. Tell me about your first marriage and how it ended up where it did. Sure. Um... I was married the first time for 25 years, and um, I would say it was a really positive experience. It was a great marriage, and at, oh, you're 23, he informed me that he was going to be charged with a white-collar crime, and I basically said to him that I would stand by him through whatever he decided, whether it was to proceed to trial or take a plea, but that I didn't know what I would do if it didn't, if it went sideways. Right. And it went really sideways. When you say you didn't know what you would do, you meant you didn't know what you would do with your marriage? I didn't know if I could stay Stay. in marriage if it went and what that would mean and what that would look like. And for you and your kids. Right. And he ended up deciding to go to trial and he was convicted and he went to prison for seven years. How old were your kids? So they were 13. 11 and five. And at the point when you went to prison, where were you guys in your marriage? Like at year 23, 24. I mean, did you make the decision you're staying together? I, I, I didn't, I, we were in such crisis. I couldn't even make that decision. It was just, mm-hmm. well, first of all, I was shocked and I was coping with this crazy tragedy and it was very high profile and there were reporters and there were all these allegations. And at the time I was a stay-at-home mom. So I would say I was completely in shock and I wasn't processing. The marriage wasn't even top of mind. It was how am I going to survive? What's happening? What what were you doing? You know, we were, it was just, it was horrifying. I want to ask you a question. And if it's off limits, you can let me know. Because you didn't know about this, obviously, it was shocking to you. Did it feel like a betrayal? Obviously, not the same kind as being cheated on, but did it feel like a betrayal? Like, holy crap, what has happened to my marriage? I would say that would have been a luxury thought. (laughs) Looking back, I was more worried, like, what am I going to say to my children if this doesn't go well? How am I going to feed my children? I hadn't worked 
in geez near a decade it's literally like the rug was pulled out from underneath you yeah it was like i was on i was like on the titanic we were and it was actually that was a really good example because we were living this life and i didn't know that we were about to hit the iceberg yeah so the iceberg hit and one day i got a text message that he had been convicted and that he was going away for seven years wow and i had to reinvent my life because i remember being jealous of this is how crazy my thinking was normal divorce people <laughs> who had alimony and child support and right. help and visitation and you had a downtime because they went to see their dad right i had no downtime so i, I had poor custody and i i think i was in shock for years and as you know i rushed into a second marriage a year later tell me so in order to get into that second marriage like in order to get in that second marriage at what point did you when he was away did you guys decide to divorce immediately okay and I divorced immediately because okay. I just wanted to distance myself from everything. Because it was so exhausting and traumatic. Yeah. And then you were a single mother. Single mother of three kids went back to work. Thank God. And you chose to marry someone who lived nearby? No. <laughs> that, I'm laughing because I did the same thing. So <laughs> keep going. Well, and, and, and for your listeners, I can't believe this, but I'm engaged again. So I... I don't know what that says. Yeah, but, but you know what? I see your smile while you're talking about it. And there's a love on your face that I've never actually ever seen on your face. Yeah, um, he's great. So tell uh, me about marriage number two. Marriage number two was hell. So here's what I would tell people. When you're in any trauma, whether it's whatever kind of trauma is, and you know, life can throw you many traumas. They say don't make big decisions, don't make big decisions, but I think I would have probably would have married. I was so desperate for help and relief that I would have taken it. You were drowning. You don't look at the life preserver and go, I don't like this color. Yeah, I was drowning. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. You know, here's the thing that I want our listeners to hear. And, you know, we have listeners, both genders, but I think predominantly we have a lot of women that are connecting. What's so important is to honor like the drowning and to honor the pain and how hard things were because it is no joke. You can't show it to your kids because that's going to damage them. Right. And people ask you, how are you? And you're, you know, most of the time you're like, I'm doing the best I can. Cause like, what else are you supposed to say? But when you look back and you look at how far you've come, I bet that feels really overwhelming. Yeah, it does. And I look at my life today because today, as I stand here, that happened in 2011, so it's a decade ago. And today you're interviewing me and I am an established law partner in a firm downtown. I'm engaged to a wonderful man. I have my oldest daughter just graduated from college. Um, I'm a completely different human being. And your I'm first home. husband, where is he? He's home. He's engaged. He's 
doing well. And I would say we co-parent really well. I will say something interesting that my second marriage is probably more typical in that I just grew to hate this man. Mm -hmm. He was a horrible person. He treated me horribly. But I didn't think marriage would be like that because my first husband, he was always really kind to me. And, and you was, loved him. Oh. Like whenever you would talk to me about him, you're like, I, I loved him. This was horrible. Yeah, I, there was always love. And to this day, I think he's the world's best father in the world. Was there so, ever um, between the two of you a hard time with co-parenting while he's away? Or did you just take the whole thing and... Like, how is it co-parenting now with him since he's out and he gets to make decisions? So, look, two of our children are already passed. Right. They're adults. Yeah, they don't need their, they don't need dad's help right now. And for my daughter, we're 50-50. And just for her, this is just really exciting for her to be with her dad. And he's a wonderful dad. Um, but I do know what it feels like because I watched my second husband fight with his wife all the time. His first wife. Yeah. And I would say for people out there who are dating, if someone constantly blames their first spouse and makes it seem like they're the crazy ones and they were perfect, I think that's a flag. Because there's no such thing. There's no one human that's amazing and perfect, does nothing wrong, and then just a bad person. I mean, and if anything, what does that say about so about you? you right. You, you met that person. You married that person. You had children with that person. And, um, and then everyone's probably thinking, yeah, but you just said your second husband's bad. Oh. But he wasn't when you first met him. When you first met him, you wanted a new start. No, I actually think looking back, you knew, I think deep down I knew and I didn't listen to that voice. Yes. And fear is really powerful. What were you afraid of? I was afraid of my own shadow. Hmm. I was afraid of being homeless. Mm -hmm. I was afraid that I couldn't raise a son as a, as a woman. Yeah. As a woman. I was afraid that I couldn't juggle three kids. I was afraid that I had been married for so long that I didn't even know what it what was like to just be quiet with myself. I was just didn't have the belief in myself that I have today. You know what I want to ask you because you have such experience with this? Speaking to the listeners who are post-divorce and are want to have a relationship, what do you think you've learned besides not going fast? What do you think you've learned about yourself and about love in a partnership that you wish you would have known 10 years ago that today you would say to that woman that Susan used to be that you want the listeners to know? Well, I, I, I know what I tell them. I would say, and this it seems like it's a dirty word. I like dirty words. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we're friends. Yes. <laughs> I would say that the most important thing that a woman can have or a man is financial independence. You need to be in control of your own destiny. 
You need to never feel vulnerable and be careful what you wish for. Um, if you are looking for someone in any way, and even in a non-monetary way, to take care of you, that is a bad deal to cut. You know, that's so interesting because whenever friends of mine say to me, Carly, where is that person? Where, when, when are they going to, when am I going to meet them? Whether they've come from a divorce or not, I ask them the question, do you love yourself? And they're like, that's not what I'm asking about. I'm like, yeah, but I'm asking you about that because if you don't get to a place where you mostly really love yourself and are totally okay on your own, even if you have you know, struggles, we're all human, you're never going to make it in a partnership because I'm married to a guy who I'm madly in love with. And if I didn't love myself, I'd be screwed because we fight a lot because we both use our voices. We don't live together. We live in different states. And if I needed him to make myself feel complete, I would never be okay. It's a tall order for someone. It is. I mean, look, I, it's funny. I have a great relationship with my fiance. It's the best I've ever had. But I just moved in with him and we're, we're doing construction and we're living out of boxes and there's chaos. And I'm just feeling extreme stress right now. But what gets me through the stress is I got up, we worked out together. I got my daughter to where I needed to get her. And I'm sitting in my office doing me. Yeah. You know? It's like you do you first. Yes. Do you guys have, um, does he have a family? Are you guys blending your families? So, you know, when I was a stepmother before in the second marriage, and I will say the best part of that marriage was not him, but I really loved being my a stepmother. I happen to love being a step parent. Tell I, me about that. I want to know about that. Okay. I think being a step parent is awesome because to me, it's like being a grandma above. I say it's like being an aunt. Okay. It's so like, being an aunt. like you don't discipline your stepchildren. No, ever, ever, ever. That is a no, no. Yes. And like, it's all love and none of the bad stuff. And if they annoy you, you don't have to deal with it. Yeah. You can walk away. Yeah. Whereas when it is your obligation as a parent to parent, I don't, you don't parent steps. No. So did you lose them? Do you not con communicate with them? No, I, I actually communicate with one of my stepdaughters all the time. And by the way, he still calls me, calls me Eames, which oh. is like a nickname for Hebrew mama, Ema. And she wow. still calls me Eames. And I check on their mother to see if she's wow. okay. Yeah. Wow. And what about your fiance? Does he have children? His one daughter. And is she in the house or a grown? In the house one year, a senior. So Wow. For one year. So You've got two teenage girls in the house during a pandemic. I want to know from your experience what you would say to listeners who are blending families besides not disciplining stepchildren, how do you handle, for example, how do you handle challenging relationships with your new partner and their ex, like when they have challenging issues? Uh, a little detachment. Yes. Because it's not your issue. Don't take it on. It's not your issue. It's still their issue. It's kind of, I would say it flows from, do you love yourself? You need to know that you still are you and they're them and you can be empathetic, 
but don't vilify the children's mother ever and don't ever ever and don't get involved it's the worst thing you could possibly ever do you are screwed for for the remainder of the relationship well, it just it's not necessary why yeah. would you that's being a drama king or queen. yeah don't yeah. take it on you yes. don't need to take that on like yes i want to know deal what did you learn from your second marriage besides not rushing that you are going to apply to your current relationship Give each other a lot of space and alone time. Give each other a lot of alone time with their children. You take alone time with your children. If you want to go out with your girlfriend, like maintain your individuality. And don't force it, right? I like that you're saying that because oftentimes we see where they're blending families, you're trying to make everyone do everything all together. Like my husband and I finally figured out my, our kids are better when we're in separate cars. I know it seems dramatic to drive two separate cars, but we have a lot of children, thank God. And when we tried to put them all together in one car, like a big happy family, everybody wanted to kill each other. And don't forget your girlfriends. But it's really interesting. I don't know if you went through this, but I like actually developed girlfriends while I was dating. And then when I got engaged, it wasn't me. I saw some of them separate a little bit from me. I don't did you go through that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a change. They're not used to this new relationship and how are, where are they going to be with it all? So do you have, a, you have same girlfriends from the first marriage to now that have been with you from the beginning? Yeah. 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 What do you think someone Shout needs? Shout out, Cindy. Shout uh, out, Cindy. Cindy? 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 The Cindy? Blue Tree Cindy? The Blue Tree Cindy. Well, she's going to be on here because we're going to be talking about how we need that kind of coaching and guidance when we're going through such trauma, which I'm sure she gave you without knowing you were getting it from her, that we need. She gave it to me before she was a coach. Exactly. You got it for free and for fun without. But I will tell you that do not listen to girlfriends. Nobody gets a bolt as to when to get divorced. Nobody. Yes. And I, I really want to be strong in this. Your friends love you, but they don't get a vote in your life. And they're coming to you with their story in the back of their mind. It's not even that. Nobody tells everybody everything. Nobody yes. really knows what goes on in your bedroom. Right. Only you really know. I, I want to ask you a question. Sure. I did a survey, um, an anonymous survey of married couples. And I asked them what the biggest problems were in their marriage. And I'll tell you that the two, there were three big ones. Two of them ring 30% each. They were, can you guess them? Money. Money was one of the 30s. Sex and kids. You're so right. Which one is which? One was 30, one was 80%. I think money won, two sex, three kids. So I was actually shocked. Money and kids were 30% of the couples had problems in there and 80% of the couples have problems with sex. I agree. And you know, I mean, I'm writing a book about sex. Really? I need to have another discussion with you about this because I have to tell you, and you probably, I want to know what your thoughts are. Nobody talks about this when people are getting married. They talk about what religion are you, what your background is, what's your family life like, what'd you do for a living? But no one sits down and says, are you compatible? 
I did. You did? Yeah. With this one? I, well, one, I was young. Yes. One doesn't count. We were yes. babies. Yes. Um, I talked about it with two because I thought it was important to discuss. It is. And I, before I got, before I even dated, I talked about it with my current fiance. What is your book going to be about? So the book is because uh, my law partner, Christina, and I represent students accused of sexual assault. We're working with this woman who's um, a sex, human sex, sexuality, I can't talk, expert out of Indiana University. We're talking about the sexual lives of college students. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. And it's really interesting, too, from a divorce perspective. We have two great divorce attorneys in our, our firm. I don't know if you know John Ramsey or Sarah Gavinay. I, I want to have them on here if you think either of them would be interested because people love to hear the perspective of this whole process. Yeah, send me an email and I'll do it. Right, But um, they're both great. But I didn't use a lawyer either time. You didn't? No. Because you're a lawyer. But I'm a lawyer. Yeah. Right. So last question, because I know you have to go and be lawyery and do all your things. I want to know, because I already know the advice you gave everybody else. I want to know what advice you're giving yourself as you're entering this next marriage. Have self-compassion. What's that going to look like for you? Pacing myself. Slowing down. Slowing down. I think that that also includes a new tool that I use now that I think is kind of like a superpower, which is not deciding anything sometimes is saying to my partner, I'm going to, I don't know. And I want to wait to think about that. Yeah. Nothing has to be divided, but it's so interesting. And I would love Cindy and I talk about this. How do you soothe yourself, especially with the pandemic? You can't look to the other person to soothe you. It's unfair. Um, yeah. I want you to say something about that. Why is it unfair to ask your partner, your loved one, your spouse to soothe you? Because your spouse is not your emotional garbage dump. You can talk about it. You can ask for a hug. But they have their own lives and their own stuff, too. Yes. Um, you wouldn't call your best friend. When you call your friend a girlfriend or a male, a friend, you might talk about your day and get an opinion, but you don't dump. So where do you do your dumping? I exercise a lot. Me too. It feels good to get it out. Yeah. I do yoga. Yeah. I run, I lift weights, I do versa, I do chorus. I exercise a lot. I mean, look, that's my outlet. That's how you <laughs> get it out. Yeah, I mean, look, everybody, some people drink, some people overeat, some people dull their pain. For me, the best thing I can do is exercise. And I have a question. Do you have a place in your new home that you guys are creating for your children to come back that are out? Or do they have, gonna have one room for them? Yeah. I think about all these things ahead of the time, even though I'm not there. I just, it's, it's a whole new life, a whole new world to imagine. And you know what? Ironically, the same advice I give about marriage and divorce, I also give to people whose kids are going to be, who are mothers who invest everything in their children. As someone who's had now two kids go to college and one starting high school, you got to do you. 
because these children are really gone in a blink of the eye. And you need to not put all of your eggs in their basket because you'll never be able to breathe after they leave. Well, I also think it's unfair for them. Yeah, what an emotional heaviness that you're putting on them. Right, you're supposed to carry me. Right. That's probably been one of the coolest things that's happened to me since my divorce is I created bucket lists and I started just going out there and living my life and doing things that I would never have done before because I needed to become who I am and that wasn't only a mother and a wife. Your career. Yeah. It's exciting, isn't it? I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I, I, I'm so grateful that you're in my life. I just want to say thank you to your time for you for your time. I want to you. connect with you again. I'm so interested in your book because I actually think what connects about it is what happens in college sex life. The next phase after college is usually marriage, and people are like, "What? Why is this not like this?" And there's all these expectations that are really messed up. Yeah, I agree, and. Actually, the results that we've learned about college sex are a little bit shocking. So, I want, are you able to give me any secrets or, or do I have to get the book? So all I can say is we have a big chapter on choking. Okay, choking. Okay, choking. Okay, I think we should end on that choking note. We should end on the choking note. I love, I love you. you. Have a wonderful day. Be safe. Mwah. Thank you.